Hello, hello, y'all. Hey, it's me, Robin. And before we get into today's episode, I'm here to let you know that the club is open right now for new members. I'm going to take a couple minutes to fill you in on all that the club is offering right now. So if you know for sure you're not interested in joining the club, you're just going to want to hit the forward button a few times until you hear that baffling behavior show jingle. Okay, so the club is a virtual community for families of kids with vulnerable nervous systems and big baffling behaviors. Many families in the club are parenting kids with a history of complex trauma, but definitely not all. Some are parenting kids with vulnerabilities that emerge from their neurotype or their sensory system or their giftedness or their neuroimmune disorder. And of course, some have no idea why their child's nervous system is so vulnerable. The primary purpose of the club and why I've created it the way that I have is connection and co-regulation. Because when I reflect back on my time as a therapist, it wasn't the skills and strategies and tools and techniques I taught parents that mattered the most. What mattered most was how connection and co-regulation strengthened their owl brain so that they could stay more regulated in the face of the chaos in their home. Then they could, number one, actually use the tools, and number two, start to feel a little bit better even before the tools started to work. The club can be accessed online both through your browser on your computer and through an app. And it's open, of course, 24-7. There's a very active forum, a huge video library, and multiple live events every month. Sometimes I teach a masterclass on a specific topic. Sometimes we come together for group coaching or just to ask questions and pick, pick my brain. We have two sessions every month called Connect and Co-Regulates, and those are designed to offer exactly that. There's no teaching, no coaching, just a place for you to be seen and heard by people who get it. Currently, we are also offering once a month bonus sessions for siblings of dysregulated kids. The club is intended to be kind of like a buffet. There is a ton in it, not because you're supposed to do everything in the club. You take what you need when you need it and come back when you're ready for more. If you could use a little extra support, consider joining us. You can read all about all the details over at robingobel.com slash the club. I'll put a link in the show notes And we're open today until the end of the day, Friday, May 3rd. All right, y'all. Here's that episode you're waiting for. I'm going to press record over here. And then I am going to record on Zoom as a backup as well. Recording in progress. Oh, and I don't have... Have you done... Do you do... Have you done a lot of podcasts? A few. Okay. So, you know, like everything's super editable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So anytime, so sometimes people freak out like the dog barked or that this is like, first of all, I don't care. Like it's just real life. And my audience doesn't care about real life either, but anything can be editable, edited. So you don't have to feel stressed about anything that doesn't go quite, quite the way you wanted it to. Okay. 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 Sounds good. All right. Here we go. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Parenting After Trauma podcast. I'm your host, Robin Goebel. Thrilled to be back with y'all again today. I have another special guest that I just cannot wait to introduce y'all to. Some of you I already have introduced her to because she's been a guest in the club. So I know for some of you, this will be a um, reconnection. But for those of you who have not met Dr. Shetra Wurter Liker, I am just so, uh, just so excited to bring y'all together. So, Shetra, thank you so much for taking time and being with me here today. Thank you, Robin. I'm so glad to be here. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so I want to dive in really quickly and then get into the good stuff, but just super briefly before we do that, just tell my audience just a little bit about you. Sure. Yeah. So as Robin said, I'm Dr. Shetra Werdeliker, and I am a licensed psychologist with a private practice based in Denver, Colorado, and I specialize in adoption. But I combine that with my personal experiences as an international and transracial adoptee and an adoptive parent. So I sort of jokingly call my approach the trifecta perspective. Yes. Because I try to bring all of those pieces into my work. Yes. I mean, there is just so much important stuff that you do. I mean, with the, the adoptee resource directory and all of the education and webinars that you're doing, in addition, of course, to your clinical work. So it is so awesome to watch all this really important stuff that comes out of what you're doing over there in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so crucial for our community, having a lot of different types of resources to seek out. Yeah. Yeah. So you have recently published a children's book and it is phenomenal. So I wanted to say that right off the bat for everybody listening, this book is fantastic. Marie discovers her superpowers. And I got that right, didn't I? I realized that I have it on Kindle. I don't have a hardcover. Like I don't have a, a hard version because you couldn't pre-order it, you know, the, the actual physical copy of it. And so as I'm getting ready for today, I'm like, what, where is this book? Like, why well, don't I have this book to prop up right here? So anyway, Marie discovers your superpowers. And I was so privileged to get early access to yes. check out that book and was just for so many reasons, so, um, so blown away by the story in it, by just by so many things. But I want you to tell the audience, like, why did you take on this passion project? Like, why did you want to write not just this book, but I know you're going to offer us a series of books. So tell me about that. Yeah. So the Adoptees Like Me series was born out of all of the work that I do and all the experiences I've had as an adoptee, I, I feel like all of the books out there on adoption, you know, so many of them are written by adoptive parents or mm -hmm. professionals, which yep. that perspective is important, but it's not the same as the adoptee. Perspective. Yep. And a lot of the books that are out there are also more general, mm -hmm. you know, they use animals as characters to explain adoption or kind of general concepts about family and families being different or celebrating differences. And those are all important messages, but I really wanted to create a space where young adoptees see themselves reflected in the characters. Yeah. I wanted, you know, this 
is the conglomeration of all of my experiences in childhood, all of my adoptee friends, all of the young adoptees that I've worked with in play therapy through the years. I wanted them to have a space to really feel seen and understood. So that's that's where this series comes from. Tell us a little about how you approached telling the story and about Marie and because you did take a unique perspective and how you just even crafted the story. Tell us about that. Yeah. So Marie is a young adoptee who has had the experience of being asked some insensitive questions and comments about her adoption at the park by a family of strangers, which is all too familiar for a lot of adoptive so families. Oh, familiar, especially, right, for kids in, um, who don't necessarily look like they match yes, their absolutely. parents. There's just this open invitation, it feels like, for people to ask wildly intrusive questions. So, yeah, like as a therapist who's done so much work with adopted kiddos that this is coming up for every, every I mean, really seriously, every child I've worked with has had yeah. to figure out how do I – respond to sometimes well-meaning, but not always um, intrusive questions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is the the space where tact just disappears. I don't know why. I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, so my goal was to create a book where people could sort of figure out how to support their kids, but also to create a space where they could demystify the counseling process. Because as much as parents may want to support their kids through this, if they're not adoptees or they haven't had, you know, mental health training, it can be hard to know what to do. And in that overwhelm, I think that's where parents seek out a professional Mm -hmm. and especially an adoptee who is a therapist to help them gain insight into what their kids need and, and how to help them feel supported. So every book in this series is a young adoptee and it's told from their perspective Mm -hmm. and they're from a a wide array of backgrounds, different ethnicities, different abilities, different family makeup. And each story they're coming to visit me, Dr. Shatra in my counseling space. And so each time the reader gets to be sort of a fly on the wall in a counseling Mm -hmm. session between an adoptee and an adoptee therapist. And I, I really just wanted to validate the experience of being in counseling and feeling empowered. And like I said, to demystify that process of what does a counseling session look like? Um, Just to normalize it for people that this is a great way to get support. Right. Not scary. Nothing unusual or magical happens beside, you know, behind those doors. And so it really show, I think the cool thing about kids books is we're showing the kids and the grownups. (laughs) (laughs) who are reading it with them, this um, perspective. And in this way, it's like, yeah, this isn't scary. This doesn't have to be scary. In fact, it can be really fun. Right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, in this book, Marie is um, a kiddo who's really into arts and crafts and being creative. So we get to do sort of a little play therapy and make a book together. And it's something that addresses her needs around being able to take ownership over her story and feel empowered about the ways she chooses to respond or not respond to people's adoption questions. But it just, I mean, it's just incredible to see even the feedback I'm getting from families who are reading this book to their younger kids and 
how proud the kids are to feel like they own their stories. They're in charge of what they share. It's just, it's beautiful to see this happen. Yeah. So that is such a central theme of this book. Like it's my story. It belongs to me. And I can feel like so powerful in that truth. You're, I mean, you even are giving like scripts and examples. And I think one of the things I really loved about it was also that how we want to respond to people's questions isn't always the same. Like sometimes I'm just maybe feeling, you know, a little grumpier one day or just a little less willing to answer a question than a different day I might. And so I loved how you address that part too. That's, that's like, you get to choose based on how you feel in that moment, what you're going to say and how you're going to respond. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really important part of the series too, because in the same way that adoptees are sort of looked at as a monolith yep. a lot of the time, instead of all of these unique individuals with yep. different personalities and needs, it's the same thing with kind of the, the tips that were given or advice about how to handle and navigate adoption situations that, you know, just do this or try this. But what about that range of, you know, here are some options for you to try and play around with them and see what fits for you in a particular situation. Um, I really felt like it was important to give people the opportunity to decide what fits for them yeah. in a particular situation. And I think how much that transfers to basically every part of your life, right? Yeah. That this isn't only about your your narrative and your adoptee narrative, like these ways of feeling so powerfully yourself and empowered to meet your own needs is, you know, translates to like every situation, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's one of the things I love that's really come out of this story, because certainly I was looking at it more from the adoptee perspective mm -hmm. as I wrote it. Um, but to hear even from parents who have read it and yeah. professionals like, wow, I'm going to use some of these tips and <laughs> in this acronym here, you know, with my superpowers, I'm going to figure out how I can use some of these at work with this coworker or, you know, with this neighbor who is kind of nosy, like, all of these ways that, that we all get to decide uh -huh. how we want our stories to be shared. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that was one of the fun parts for me reading. It was like, this obviously is about adoption, but it's actually about so much more that everybody needs that sense of, again, yeah, just sense of like, it's my, it's my story and I get to, I get to choose. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Just like Marie says in the book, right? I'm the boss of my story. Yes. So one of my favorite parts of the book, I can't remember if I actually ever said this to you, but, um, you know, I, as a, a therapist who's um, really probably 85% of the families I've ever worked with and the kids have been adopted and I'm obviously not adopted. And so having that perspective of being the not adopted person working almost exclusively with adopted people and like, I could feel in my bones in a way that like brought me to tears Marie's experience when she came in and like you were an adoptee too. And there was just something about that. that was like, Oh my gosh, like these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids that I've known in my life and feel like, you know, did pretty good therapy with all of them, but also to be like, and gosh, what a missing piece of the equation 
Like what would have been different if like those kids who had come into my office had had that experience, like, Oh, you're adopted too. And yeah, I don't, it's hard to even put into words, but there was something as I was reading that book that just really hit me so hard. And again, feeling like I did great therapy work with these kids and there's not enough adoptee therapy therapists to see all the, you know, young adoptees in the world, but to also to think like, gosh, wouldn't that have been awesome if those kids had been, had that experience? Yeah, that, that really is a reflection of so many of the times that I've, I've seen a client walk into the room. They yeah. learn that I'm adopted and just, it's such yeah. a powerful connection, right? Yeah. Like that mirroring in that moment is, it's absolutely indescribable. Yeah. And I, it's just the bond that's created in that moment, that sense of felt safety to be with a grown up adoptee. Um, absolutely. It almost brings me to tears when I, when I think about what that has felt like with so many of my clients. Yeah. And, and truthfully, I mean, that's a big part of the reason that I created mm-hmm. the National Adoptee Therapist Directory. Um, you know, adoptees who are therapists submit their information from all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so we've got this huge list that now is almost every state, I think, um, maybe a few that are less populated places like the Dakotas and Alaska <laughs> may not have people, but overall there are hundreds of great providers yes. on that list yes. who can be that person for the young adoptee who's joining in counseling. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. So obviously, cause I'm thinking, you know, how can we help parents find the professional that, you know, would, would be a good fit for their family. So I've, yes, there's your resource directory and I'll absolutely make sure everybody gets, gets linked to that. But beyond going there and the, and just seeing these names on the resource directory, um, let's talk just a little bit, maybe, and maybe you're going to be like, Robin, I just answered this question, but I think even to like, just talk a little bit more about why is it so important to try to find an adoptee therapist for their um, adopted kids? Like what is so important in that? And then in addition to your resource directory, if there's any other thoughts that you have about how families can go about doing that. Um, Well, the why I think is something that's universal that we all feel more connected to someone who shares a lived experience with us. Yeah. Right. That, no matter how much professional expertise someone has, yeah. and, and granted, I will say you are probably one of the only non-adoptee therapists that I would <laughs> trust to go see with adoptee things. So um, you're sort of an honorary adoptee <laughs> therapist. Thanks. <laughs> but, but I mean, in general, there's just a, this unspoken bond, right? Like yes. this, so many adult adoptees that I work with talk about that. Like when they were in therapy as kids or even as they've gotten older, there's an aspect of having to educate your therapist about what it's like to move through the world as an adoptee. And when you're an adult, that's a little bit easier to do, though maybe still kind of irksome at times to have to do that. Yes. As a child, you don't always have those words to explain what you need. And that's exactly the kind of gap that an adoptee can fill, right? That if I've had similar experiences as a child, and 
Granted, every adoptee is unique, but there are a lot of very common and similar experiences, right? Maybe I'm the one who can offer those words or give them the language so that they can start to explain that, which again, gives them ownership and empowerment over their story. Yeah, it is that that moment of, I don't have to find the words. Like in some ways it's like, I don't even, I don't even have to use the energy to find the words. Like it's the words are just under the surface already and how much safety, but also what comes up for me is like the sense of relief, right? Like I spend so much time educating people and to not have to do that in this moment. Like, (sighs) yeah. Yeah, it's, it comes across so strongly, sometimes even just in that initial intake yeah. with the client when they'll make a comment like, I can just tell you get it, like you nod in the right spot or smile in the right way, like you just can tell that you've been there. Yeah, absolutely. So addition, in addition you know, to your resource directory, what are other suggestions you have for parents to find, um, you know, an adoptee therapist and then what to do if they can't, like, if it's just not an option for them, like what, you know, what are important things to look for instead? Yeah. Well, I mean, so the directory is a great place to start. And then from there, you know, I have um, a blog specifically on my site that offers screening questions for finding an adoption informed therapist. So that's where I would go next, that if you can use that as a screening tool that, and I always encourage people, like interview at least a few therapists, get a sense of their personality, their approach to therapy, like that's going to be the number one piece of, of how therapy goes, that if there is a connection and a sense of a relationship, having trust and safety, that's where the true healing can begin. So it doesn't matter how many books someone has written or how many presentations they've given, like that first part is the relationship piece. So interviewing them, figuring out who's a good fit, asking the questions that feel important for your family. That's the key. That's where you need to start. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you have a list of questions. So I'll make sure that gets in the show notes for everybody too. There is this sense. Okay. Sometimes when people tell me about their experience, especially with not adoption competent therapists, and they'll say this happened or that happened. Sometimes part of what I feel like is, well, that's not just not adoption competent. That's just straight up bad therapy. (laughs) (laughs) That there's there's a way of approaching your work as a therapist with curiosity, with trusting the client that I think is possible for when, when, when parents do need to, you know, you find a therapist who isn't an adoptee that looking for those kinds of qualities, right? Like the curiosity, the, but you know, so much for me is, is sometimes what I'm so shocked in is when people tell me about their experiences and therapy that are not very good. Part of what they're, they're expressing to me is that the therapist didn't believe them. There was all, there's this undercurrent of what you're saying or what you're feeling couldn't possibly be true. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that's such a common thing for adoptees, especially yes. to have their experience invalidated by yes. like all the hard parts of adoption or the grief. 
those things are dismissed because, oh, you know, that, that lucky narrative, like you should be so grateful or, you know, it, and it's, yeah, it's devastating to hear that. And their intuition tells them, right? Like they know this isn't quite right. Like someone should not be telling me, I don't feel this way. But that's a hard thing to, to speak up to your therapist. It's a really difficult. It's so hard to, the power differential makes it so hard to speak up like that too. But I also think it, it is an ex, a feeling that is hard to even put words to, right? Like there's the sense of something's not quite right here, but I'm not entirely sure what that is or how to put words to it. And then you combine that with the power differential and then you combine that with the experiences of being an adoptee in the first place, right? And to have you know, their experiences always like never be the most important one. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're coming to therapy with this background already, which I would imagine then makes it even harder to speak up to a therapist and say like, this isn't right. Or this doesn't feel right. Or why are you invalidating me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. They, yeah. I mean, it's ironic, right. That the exact thing they may be coming to therapy for is just being pushed back on them. Exactly. Exactly. So I kind of answered my question for you, which I shouldn't really have done, which was what are some things, you know, to look for? So I I do think just a straight up experience of like curiosity um, from a professional that that's um, such a key piece in all therapy. And I think especially when working with somebody who has a different lived experience um, than you do. What other things um, come to mind? Yeah. I mean, just like you emphasize, right. Trust in the client's lived experience. And so there's a humility. I think that needs to go along with that as a professional that you recognize, I don't know everything. I don't know what I don't know. And, you know, being aware that adoption is a specialty area. Yes. It's a lot to learn. And so any professional who's open to learning about that, who seeks out resources and wants to know more, isn't expecting the client to be the one to provide all of that education, I think that is a great foundation for building a relationship with the therapist. I wanted to pause the episode real quick and read you this testimonial from one club member. This person writes in, the club has been life-changing for me. For me, feeling alone in the stress and the overwhelm of parenting a child with complex trauma has been traumatic. Here in the club, we are finding healing for ourselves by feeling seen and heard and validated, even though we may have come here for our children's healing. Oh, y'all, that is exactly what I'm trying to do in the club to create a space that's for you that also brings healing to your kids. So the club's open for new members until April 28th. We'd love to have you. RobinGobel.com slash the club. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I totally agree. It's funny because I fell into working. So many of us just fall into our what become our area of specialization. And so I've kind of just fell into working with adopt with the, you know, the adoption experience, but without question, I, 
working with adoptive families and adoptees in particular, especially young ones who are still, you know, looking for their words has taught me how to be a curious therapist that then I of course can bring into all of my other work, but that way of like, just, I wouldn't have used the word humility because it wouldn't have come to mind. That's exactly right. That, that way of showing up with humility and, and, openness and I'm here to have you teach me um, it without question I've learned because of my experience working in adoption and then translates to like my way of being in the world, even outside the clinical world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's incredibly powerful when we can get to that place of accepting all of the things that we don't know because then our minds are open to learning. We are, and and there's an empathy that comes along with that. Yes. To trust someone else's experience. Yes. To learn from them firsthand. Yes, absolutely. So Marie comes and she gets to have this instantaneous, like just moment of like settling and relief. Like this isn't another person that I'm going to have to teach or educate. Like they just get me. And then she gets to feel so empowered to just be authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, authenticity is key, right? And I mean, as you know, (laughs) in any therapeutic relationship, but just in life too, that that's a a big part of this series too. I, I want adoptees and anyone reading these to feel like it's okay to just be you. Yes. Who you are is is perfect. It's exactly who you should be. And you get to choose what works for you. That you, you always get to be in charge of your story and your choices and your actions. Like that's you are the boss of all of it. Yes. Your illustrator did such an amazing job conveying these very nuanced emotions. Again, I think as a therapist, I recognize, like I recognize these very, you know, nuanced shifted uh, emotions in, in kids and just to see, I'm assuming your illustrator isn't somebody who's a therapist. Is that correct? No. Um, so yeah, Penny Weber is fantastic. That's exactly the reason that I chose her as an illustrator because once again, right, like all these adoption stories with beavers and ducks are are cool, but you can't quite show the same kind of emotion on the yeah. faces yep. of those characters as you can on human faces. And yeah. that was what I fell in love with, that there is such a richness and a genuineness to all of the characters. These, yep. You know, the slight shift in the eyebrow or the shape of the lips or, I mean, she just conveys emotion beautifully. Yes. And I love that. And yeah, I mean, even though she is not an adoptee herself, her partner is, mm. and so she mm-hmm. is connected to the mm-hmm. adoption world. Like she has an understanding of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just brilliant. These, like, I remember even kind of, like, gosh, how how can somebody capture like these slightest little shifts that I do think as a therapist you start to to really tune into these teeny, teeny, tiny little shifts. But for an illustrator to do that. Um, and that way it was really, really remarkable. Yeah. Um, Tell us about what's going to come next, because this is just the first book in a series. Yeah. So I have, 
have 12 books planned. Oh, we'll I love that <laughs> so <I> much. There. <laughs> uh, there are definitely, you know, aside from myself being a character in the book and parents and caregivers sort of being kind of on the periphery as mm-hmm. characters, but there are six adoptees. So I'm hoping get to hear two of each of their stories. Uh-huh. Um, but they, yeah, I mean, okay, you're gonna have to edit this out. Remind me again. Oh yeah. yeah. What comes next? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So with the story that is coming, um, how do I want to say? Okay, here we go. Start again. Okay. All right. So the second story is going to be about Casey and it's called Casey Conquers Bedtime. And right now, um, Penny, my illustrator, is working on the first round of sketches for the book. So should be released in kind of spring, early summer of 2023. But this book is about bedtime anxiety, which certainly all parents understand that to an extent. And again, with adoptees, there is sort of a nuanced piece of that around where that anxiety may be rooted and some of the valid fears that come along with that. Um, So it's sort of a story of what it looks like in counseling when you're addressing that, but also incorporating some EMDR resourcing Mm. and body work and rhythm and music, things to really kind of help the body and the brain heal in order to feel safe with sleep. Yeah. I can't wait. (laughs) If (laughs) I think about how many families have asked about sleep, gosh, I mean, it's got to be 80% or more of the families I work with. So, so I'm really excited for that one to come out and, and really with both stories too, I'm excited because, um, well, I guess with each story that comes out, there is going to be, um, a video, a virtual reading of the story that goes along with it. So if kids want to get their own copy and read, or they want to read the ebook, then they can also download a video mm. where Dr. Shatra is actually reading the story to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that, like being able, the story that I created to, to make it come alive in my own voice, like really in the way that I intend it. Um, I think that's been really powerful for a lot of people too. when I've done that with the first book. And um, so I definitely want to continue that, but I, you know, I love that piece and it. I guess I should also mention that, there is a free printable parent resource guide with each book. So I think that's one of the things that's missing a lot of times from adoption books too, is that you get done with the book as a caregiver mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, now what, how, how do I talk about this with my child or what, what comes next? And so I created this guide that has tips for how do you expand these conversations? How can you dive into this more deeply and use, developmentally appropriate language to really build on these concepts in the book. So there's the printable guide, but then these video readings will also include an extended guide for the parents going into more details, more examples of ways to discuss all of these topics with their kids. So important. Mm. There is an element of your, of our books that are kind of similar in showing this experience that's unfolding in the room and a way then that I, you know, part of what I was aiming for in mind was for the parent to feel my, I wrote a pair of books. So for the parent to feel really seen, 
but also to support professionals and the way that they approach the work. And that's such a clear piece here in your, in your book too. Like you're giving a little roadmap really for all the part, all of these, you know, folks for Marie, but also for, you know, the parents and also for, cause certainly for therapists and professionals are going to be using this book, you know, in their work and learning themselves about how, you know, to show up for the clients in their office. So that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's resonating for you as a professional too, because I think that's such an important piece of this. Like this book is going to have an impact or this whole series really. Um, So many different parts of the adoption constellation and all of the people who serve them. Yeah. One last thing I just want to highlight before we start to wrap up is, you know, for those of you listening, if you've listened this long and you aren't an adoptee yourself or an adoptive parent, uh, don't let that stop you from snagging this book because although it is absolutely about adoption, it's so clearly written, you know, for these young adoptees, the themes in this book are for everybody and the way of, you know, in fact, sometimes my husband and I kind of joke about this. That's so much of my work and yours too, of course, is helping people find the words, like just giving words to what feels really hard to put words to, um, whether that be words to their own experience or words that they can use to have, you know, boundaried, empowered conversations with other folks, but just helping people find like honest, authentic words for their own experience. And I just want to make sure everybody listening hears that about these books, that whether adoption is a part of your family story or not, like I know everybody listening is listening because something is hard in their family. Um, and uh, something that needs to be given a story to and something that we need to empower our kids to find the words to own their story. And I think that that is so clearly articulated to any child who reads mm-hmm. this book. So yeah. that you did an awesome yeah. job with that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's actually been one of sort of the inadvertent celebrations I've had um, since this book came out, hearing from so many of the non-adoptees, like caregivers or professionals who have read it, saying, oh my gosh, I'm going to use these tips. Like, I want to use these words when someone is asking something personal about me. And so just to know, like, this can help even a wider population than the adoption, adoption constellation. Like, this is something that I think is pretty universal that mm-hmm. we all need to learn how to protect and share our stories in ways that are comfortable for us. Absolutely. Mm. All right. Well, tell folks where can they go? What's the easiest, best place for them to go and get Marie discovers her superpowers? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so the best place to go to get the book and get videos and printable resource guides is to go to adoptieslikeme.com. And you'll find information about the whole series, all of the resources, the books that you can order, everything will be there. So it's a great place to start. Awesome. And that's where like the downloadable resource is too, that you mentioned. Cool. Okay. Well, like y'all, you've heard um, Shadra and I talk about other important things that she has, like her resource directory and 
this kind of interview a therapist guide. So everybody listening, I'll make sure that those are very easy for you to find those links. And so you can go and check all of that out. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. I really appreciate you being an early reader for the book and sharing your thoughts. And thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's been so fun to get to know more authors. My husband mentioned recently, he's like, how come it sounds like everybody you know is an author now? (laughs) Because I keep saying like, well, this person in there, I'm like, well, because we're like, we flock to each other, I think, (laughs) because it's sort of a painful process. We're like finding each other. And then also what I think has been so cool about this journey is celebrating each other. Like how many people have said to me like, oh my gosh, I know this is, you know, such a hard journey, you know, things like that. And so that's been a fun thing to be able to do together is is just celebrate this enormous accomplishment of getting these books out into the world. Yes, for sure. Being able to acknowledge all of the many hoops along the way. Yes. <laughs> people who have that shared experience, yeah. right? That yeah. Experience. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I hope this is not the first time you're on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. And I'm hoping everybody goes and snags that book right away. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Look for Marie discovers her superpowers. First book in the adoptees like me series. Thank you. Thanks Robin. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally someone gets me and my kids, but also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you, then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash with, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. 
Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you can get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you can just head to my website, download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now. And I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.